Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to Sword and Shield Podcast. I'm Colonel Rick Erich, 960 Cyberspace Wing Commander, and today we have a special guest, Lieutenant General Tim Hawk from 16th Air Force. Morning, sir. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Rick. Thanks for having me. Well, welcome back. Um, it's great to see you again, and um, the world's a much different place than it was the last time we recorded. We were kind of in the middle of the pandemic. We had you on to talk about kind of where 16th Air Force is at and, and, and building momentum and convergence and these ideas. Um, and you tried to help our wing understand where we fit in as observers. So really appreciate that. We got good feedback on that one. So this one I want to just kind of talk about, you know, you're getting towards the end of your tour here and moving through a pandemic and what's going on in Ukraine, like what kind of leadership things um, have you learned? And um, some interesting questions, I think, for what, from, from your perspective, what our reservists and anybody listening can, can learn from that. So, um, and this is going to fit into our four-part series of uh, leadership, and so really excited to, to feature you as part of that. So, again, thanks for your time. I know you're, you're really busy and there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Without a doubt, but we, this is, you know, a moment for us to be a little reflective as we start to think about, uh, you know, what our airmen have accomplished across all of the, the teammates in 16th Air Force. I'm excited to spend some time talking about that. Excellent. So let's jump into it. And so stand up at 16th Air Force 2019. <clears throat> um, I got introduced to you at that point. You probably don't remember. A lot of stuff going on that day, a lot of people, but you took time. And uh, we talked a little bit about the reserve, Steve, you introduced me and I think um, gave me a good sense of where you're at from you know, the total force and we appreciate that. And we feel like we've, we've really fit in and you've made us feel at home. So um, we're, uh, just to start out, initial thoughts, reflections, you know, two plus years into this, um, what I call the American experiment at times. And um, what, what are your initial thoughts? So I, number one, really proud of what the organization has accomplished. And in terms of what the secretary asked us to do, which was integrate ISR, cyber, electronic warfare, IO, weather, and, and being able to make those parts more than their individual pieces. Really proud of what the staff has achieved in doing that. Uh, the, the things that have, have borne out in that first day when General Goldfein asked us to, what is our vision? What do we, what do we want to do? Uh, many of those things that the team set out on day one has still serving us well. The three lines of effort that we established as the, the start point have proven to be the right place that allowed us to build a foundation. And that was the number one, generate insights. How do we leverage the ISR professionals that we've got that are unique inside 16th Air Force and what, what are provided from Intel and our recce team uh, to be able to generate insights for air components and combatant commanders. But also what does that do to allow us to compete now, which was our second line of effort, which was about the idea of when you put all of this talent together with the capabilities that exist across all of our wings, we should be expected to produce outcomes or produce outcomes immediately. And, and our teams have done that, whether that be intelligence product and environmental analysis that, that is really thinking about it uh, in different ways as to how that impacts an adversary, 
or the cyber outcomes or information operation outcomes uh, that we achieve or we, we enable partners to do. But the current crisis has also borne out that third line of effort, which as a warfighting organization, we have to be prepared for escalation at any moment. And that if our nation asks us to be able to generate even more cap capability uh, to, to offer to policymakers, our team has done that and done that exceedingly well. So those foundations uh, that we organized around were a really good sound starting point. Uh, and then the work the team has done to how do we do our business is, I think, just really groundbreaking for a Department of Defense organization. There's, there's no other organization I'm aware of that is a component to four combatant commanders, a national agency, and responsive to all the air components. And our staff's ability to generate a battle rhythm and a process to be responsive to all of those senior leaders, I'm really proud of what staff's achieved to be able to, 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 to do that. You know, when uh, <clears throat> I feel like I'm, I'm a loved part of the family, but people don't know who I am, so it's great. So I get to walk around your buildings and talk to people, and it's a colonel, and they just ignore me because they don't know who I am. So it's great. So I hear things, right? And I see it from kind of from afar, but kind of inside. And so for us as reservists, I think those three lines of effort made it really easy just to understand where we fit in immediately. Like, I've been in organizations where you stand something new, and it takes a lot of time to build culture and kind of grind through it. This hasn't felt like that. I mean, from the beginning, you know, I was on the ground here as the vice right when you guys stood up. And so it, it's felt like something natural all the time. And as I walk around the building, people use those words all the time. And even our, our reservists who come in on weekends understand how they fit in the big picture. So I think I think the team has done really well on, on you know, pushing that culture and, and those, at least, you know, making sure everybody understands talking points mm -hmm. all the time. Well, and the other thing that we did spend some time on is, is what is our why? Like, what is the organizational why? And, and, and the idea that we're empowered airmen delivering outcomes for the nation is something that we see every day. You know, whether that's, it can be a senior airman that we empower to really, either that's we give them a really incredible intelligence capability so they can generate an insight that is impactful uh, in, in, in another uh, warfighting organization's outcomes, or it's an airman sitting at a keyboard producing an outcome uh, in support of General Noxoni on a critical national mission. And, and that is an area that the more we connect individual airmen to how important the role they play in this very unique organization is something we can't spend enough time doing. Yeah, I, as you've kind of evolved through this, um, what kind of things have surprised you either way? Uh, an, a pandemic surprised me because <laughs> that certainly did change a lot of the things that that when we, we set out to, to build a culture of a new organization, we didn't make some assumptions that would be about this idea of how do you do shared experience, bring together elements of different organizations Building that shared experience during the pandemic was certainly lessons that we all learned, that, that it was very different. And, and if we wouldn't have right from the outset tried to build relationships, really hard to do that virtually. And I think everybody's performed masterfully in how that's been done, but that was certainly unexpected and did throw a twist organizationally. The other area that you know, I've been around cyber operations now for the better part of my career, uh, but have never had the good fortune to run a network and to be responsible for a network. Uh, and then to see what our airmen do every single day 
to operate the various Air Force networks at both the unclassified and classified levels, they're simply amazing. And I knew that, but to see the, the current state of our architecture <laughs> and what we expect of, of airmen, and in many cases, we also don't give them the same tools of training that we would in every other area. Sure. They're learning on the job with real equipment that is the underpinnings of the digital architecture of our Air Force, we entrust those airmen. So being able to have a better and deeper understanding of how the 688 cyberspace wing operates on a day-to-day -day basis and what airmen do at all of those squadrons uh, is really an impressive set of, of experts that we empower every day and they do an amazing amount of work to, to allow our architecture to continue to work regardless of the level of investment that we make into it. So I think that's been one that's been a really positive of, of set of surprises. The other one that I think has been a, a, an equally pleasant surprise has been the partnerships. I knew that as an organization, we would have an amazing set of partnerships. Um, what has really happened is, is those have accelerated even faster than I would have expected, whether that's interagency partners from the Department of State, the Department of Treasury, the Department of Justice, uh, but also our international partners. That has accelerated really quickly, and, and that was really based on an investment that, that ACC made early, which is we're a, an organization that now created a partnership division, not something normally would have been standard in a numbered Air Force, sure. but in a component to all of these combatant commanders, that's something we're expected to do. And that team we've invested has really returned tenfold. And, and those become the means to outcomes. And so I've been really proud of that work across our force. Yeah, I, want, I was a squadron commander, um, comm squadron, whole space, and I thought I knew everything about where it was, but um, just on my small scale, I can't, I can't begin to uh, understand when you, you, know, you have the entire Air Force network of all the challenges that are there and um, how our airmen make it happen every day regardless of the challenges in front of us. So, yeah, that's really exciting. Um, other than the pandemic, um, you know, I'm starting to reflect on my command time as well about um, what I wish I would have known going into this and would that have changed anything, how I approach things either from a leadership standpoint or mission operational. Have you come across anything? Um, and maybe that's something you would pass on to whoever your successor is in the future about um, this is something to pay attention to. So my number one would be focus on enlisted retention. That as a service, we're really comfortable thinking our way through pilot retention, and we've, we've obviously had to work through decades of how do you retain that high-end talent from an aircrew perspective. Some of those analogies apply to cyber and to our ISR airmen, and some don't. And in many cases, it's because inside of our force, it's expert enlisted operators that make up the nation's capability. And, and that's an area that we are very focused on. I wish that was a day one focus. Making sure we have all the right tools available to make it even more enticing to airmen that want to serve, they love the mission, but also recognize uh, that they have an awful lot of talent and demand for their, their skills and capabilities. There's a lot we can continue to evolve there. Congress has given us a lot of authorities. That's an area that we've asked the, our service to really focus on. I wish that would have been a day one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I often hear the myth all the time in the reserve circles, specifically from leaders that say, well, we can't do more cyber because you can't retain airmen because everybody goes, they think everybody goes Google 
and makes $250,000. And that's simply not the case. There's people that want to serve, that do think that do things with authorities that they can't do at Google or they can't do name whatever, you know, IT company that they want to continue serving to find the right method for them and their family to serve. Um, certainly has been on the back half of my tour too has has, has been a focus instead of upfront. So um, certainly there's there's a lot of opportunity there for us to continue to do things to support our airmen families and find find ways people serve. People are shocked at times when I say, hey, if the guard's the right fit for you, go join the guard. Like. Keep wearing the uniform. If that model works for you at that time point in your life, go do it. We'll support you. Well, I'll make a phone call for you. I'll try to work that out. And I, I do think that's important in our business that some of our, at least in my business, most of my leaders are all flyers, officers. And so they, they have a hard time kind of understanding that. People do want to do this, even though there is, a, you know, there's more money at times. Not always greener, but more money. The, the other thing that kind of goes with that, that an area that, that we did well which was the first event we held was the Combined Garden Reserve Conference. And that was intentional because we knew that partnership was so foundational to our ISR enterprise and, and where we needed to go within cyber. I think that one was one that we made the right decision early and then there were areas there we could have tied those two together. You know, that if we would have been right out of the gate thinking about retention, and, and what is the right level of investment is how we approach our garden reserve uh, organizations and the demand signal. We're doing a good job of that today, but that could have been something, again, that, that we, we really thought our way through. The, the pilot that your team is working is a perfect example of how do we retain really incredibly talented airmen that want to continue to serve, but then also make sure that they have the right proficiency to step right into work and be able to either be a surge capacity or serve in the timelines that they're able to give. Yeah, I think that's the real focus for us is, is creating a schedule that works for them and compelling mission, right? And so, um, yeah, we can offer lots of opportunities to catch people to, to go do some of the some of the standard IT stuff, but that's, that's not some of the things that they're interested in doing because they can do that outside. So um, really, really looking forward to that partnership with, with you all and making sure that we build something deliberate that sticks that, that becomes something that we can lean on for the future. And um, again, not poach, but continue to build on. Um, and then and create a way for you know the regular component to access us in a, in a time frame that's meaningful, like what's going on in Ukraine Russia right now that you have access to when you need it. We had people calling on the phone saying, let me in coach, I'm ready. And we had like no way to like get them into the fight right away. So I think there's an area there that you know, we need to work we're better on as well. And, and I think that's part of the conversation that we need to have is is how now as as you catch talent and that talent wants to continue to serve, how do we make, how, how now do we place the right demand signal with the right tools to be able to bring them in when required? Yep, I agree. Um, shifting gears a little bit. So looking internally at yourself, leadership style wise, what have you learned about yourself? What kind of things have you changed? Uh, Obviously, you, you've had a number of leadership opportunities and successes, and I'm always curious about, um, did you stick with kind of your approach and model to leadership, or did you evolve, change, bring some new tools in, maybe at your level, this tool doesn't work, it's too big of an organization, um, and then if there's any lessons there for our, for our airmen as they're continuing to grow and build their own leadership competencies. So, so I think a couple things, you know, as I, as I reflect on that, as both a wing commander 
and then and so I, I had the pleasure of being the 48th ISR wing commander, um, which was really close to mission. So every day we ran a global enterprise. So really close to mission, all the air components uh, of the United States Air Force. So that was really tied very tightly to mission. As the, de as the JTFRE's deputy was establishing a warfighting organization and every day being tied to very tactical activities. As the Cyber National Mission Force commander, in many ways, every single day was tied to what was happening by adversary hackers. To then go to an organization that has such diverse missions, you're now necessarily not as closely tied to that tactical mission, which then really pointed to a couple things that I, I believed going in, but really reaffirmed, which is my primary job is intent. Commander's intent is something that is unique in a, in, that a commander owns. And when we use discipline, military decision-making processes, that puts the allows the organization to move forward. That just taking that intent and then allowing leaders to transform that intent in, into action um, was really reaffirmed. And that is every uh, time that we've turned that over to the staff or to a wing, it's returned tenfold in terms of, of outcomes. The other thing that a commander owns is recognition and being able to recognize airmen, whether that's being able to give out coins at every opportunity, uh, being able to call out the, the really exceptional performers that may want to stay hidden in the <laughs> background, but really you want to recognize because they're serving and leading in a way that really epitomizes the culture of the organization. Dignity and respect for all, uh, outcomes focused, but, but really uh, understanding and doing, doing things the right way. So I think those things have been reaffirmed for me um, throughout this process, which is in a large organization, commander's own intent, and you have to trust uh, the leaders that you bring in. Uh, areas that I think we've also, so, so I came in with a really deep belief in JTF-like processes, military decision-making, and I think that area is, is something that I would like to see us as an Air Force really spend more time teaching airmen how to use those processes because it does bring a discipline to your decision-making that then puts rigor behind every decision that we make. Uh, but everybody in the organization gets aligned. They know what the intent is, what problem you're trying to solve. As we evaluate what are our choices, we put criteria against it. And that puts discipline into our process, but it still gives a lot of license for individual leaders at the tactical level to iterate and come back with some really innovative solutions. Yeah, I think that's really good. My boss, too, John Radliff, um, he's really focused on here's my intent, and it's really helpful from a leader perspective. Um, and, and when I came into this, I tried to run the wing like a squatter, right? Very tactical approach and quickly learned that that wasn't going to work. And so I had to evolve myself and intent. I took watching you and other leaders around me do that. It really helped me kind of um, just here's what we're trying to get after. Go do it. Like, I don't care how you do it. Go solve the problem create the outcome we're looking for. And so um, I can appreciate that. And I think um, as, as we have some of our folks go through, we have opportunities to get some reservists to get some you know, joint planning training. We take advantage of that every chance we get. And I would tell all the listeners out there, if, if you're not um, astute on that and there's opportunities, then you should take every opportunity to get a lot of that training. Because I think, because so much of us is uh, supporting Cybercom now in our business that, that we need to be aligned with yeah. that and, 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 and certainly help. 16th Air Force, you know, create outcomes. And, and I think from our organizational perspective, 
being tied to four combatant commanders, if we're following a more traditional joint series of processes, allows us to connect with those staffs in a very easy, natural way. Yeah, it's really different for reservists because we like to say we're not Westover. That's the that's the Air Force base that's kind of out there in Massachusetts by their by themselves, and um, they just fly airplanes. And then when they're called, everybody goes together. And so we got to change the mindset of reservists as well. So really looking forward to that. Um, so whenever um, wh whenever you plan to start that transition, what do you plan to tell that person, that successor, when you sit down or you leave them? All right, here's the really important things. Here's what I learned. Is there anything there that's really important to you that you want to share and hand off? So I, I think one will be, here's the guidance that I've given. You know, now <laughs> sure. it's over to you, right? Because that, that really is uh, that the, the, the reason I think it's important as military organizations we transition is to bring a new voice, to bring a new insight, evaluate the organization. Uh, because I am, I am somewhat sensitive to the idea that we've set up a new organization and not every decision that we've made along the way will have been correct. And, and the, this does allow now a, a leader to come in and go, okay, I now see what you've done. I can understand why you did it, but this would be an area now that we would want to emphasize. And so that really given that creative license to the new leader, I think is important. The, the other area would be a discussion of really about how we, how we get resources. Because I think that is one of the most important thing a commander does is help the organization be appropriately resourced for their mission. And our environment is certainly changing in 16th Air Force as Cyber Command assumes greater and greater responsibility for resources, as Air Combat Command, as the lead command for almost all of our roles and missions, as we work and navigate through that, that is an area that, it, that will require, here's where we are, here's what the landscape looks like, and now allowing that leader to start to define, hey, this is how I want to approach the resource strategy. Because I think the area that as the secretary has asked us to look at the, the overall operational imperatives for the Air Force, uh, one of the key things that we're highlighting to them is we have to invest in the digital infrastructure of our service. And that is really the, the operate portion of our Air Force information network and our ability to censor all of the right things against adversaries that we didn't have to deal with in the past sure. that bring an extensive set of cyber capabilities that would attempt to counter us are we positioning ourselves the right way as a service? And, and in many cases, that's not our decision to make, but as the operational commander responsible for the cybersecurity defense and operate of our Air Force networks, we have to have a loud voice into, let's make good decisions that will, that will put our service in the right posture against an adversary that will bring an awful lot of capability in the cyber domain. Yeah, it's really exciting, I think, right now, obviously, um, a lot of opportunity, people are paying attention. From an investment standpoint, we have the leaders in place, I think, that are, that are telling our story. Um, but it's tough decisions, really tough decisions right now, financially, um, in, in, in the entire Air Force. And so, yeah, I, I think this wing is a little bit older. We're approaching four years, so there's some parallel lines that, um, that you know, both our organizations have taken. And I ask you this question a lot, and I try to pin you down a lot about where do you see opportunities for you know the reserve component or you know as reservists to take the next level? What kind of requirements do you see coming in the future where you feel like we can plug in really well that are good, compelling missions for reservists? And then 
Um, what kind of things are you interested in leveraging from you know our reserve citizen airmen? So the the areas I think there are a couple of things that have just happened over the last few weeks that that if, if people are interested, uh, worth going and reading. One is that the chief of staff of the Air Force just published the operating concept for information warfare for the United States Air Force. Almost on the same day, General Noxoni, our COCOM commander, talked about the importance of the linkage between IO and cyber. And, and those are signposts of, of where we're headed, I, I believe, as an Air Force and as an organization, that, that we've got to be able to be more aggressive in the information environment. And, and whether that be educating our airmen on disinformation, but also how do we as a service begin to engage in the information environment that forces our adversaries to respond to us. And that includes how do we link cyber with IO in a more coherent way with the right set of experts and capacity? How do we uh, enable air components to grow capacity in a way that leverages potentially the insights we generate in a more effective way? That becomes a really key area for us to work together over time. Within cyber, I think there's so much potential for us to really build out constructive credit that allows you to recruit talent that wants to serve our nation, but may not want to spend six months in training to do that. Sure. And, and that is uh, all the tools are there for us to do it from Congress. We need to advocate within our service and, and in ways that we could see very clearly. People could come, we could get airmen today that could certainly develop cyber capabilities without a single additional bit of training for the United States Air Force. Um, we have airmen that could likely do tests and in right from coming from industry and now being engaged in, in test processes. And likewise, we also could grow additional operators or analysts with skills that they've accrued outside of our service. We need to make that easier for those airmen to serve. And I think that's something we've got to work together. Yeah, um, we're really excited about that. It's been it's been a grind. I remember helping um, A6 kind of help write some of the draft language years and years, like the 2015-16 timeframe um, when I was at Eisenhower, we were starting to talk about it. And so um, really exciting there. I think as soon as we get some implementation instructions, we're ready to launch and at least do some small-scale pilots and, and, and figure out what's going to work for us. So a, 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 as we wrap up here, um, just I want to leave you with an opportunity to talk about leadership lessons or anything. You know that you want to share with our airmen across the wing or anybody that's listening from you know your perspective throughout your career or what you've learned just in the last so reaffirmed in this assignment is leadership does not have to come from a position that can be any airman leading and that leadership could start with something they see in their work center that they don't think is right and then putting their hand in the air making sure every airman is treated with dignity and respect it could be uh, the leadership that I've seen across our ISR enterprise is really impressive. Uh, the ISR airmen that have transformed how we do ISR in the last three to four years has been bottom-up leadership that changed us from a sensor-focused ISR to problem-centric ISR. That transformation has really delivered in this crisis. And it's been, that was airmen bringing forward ideas that then their wing commanders have championed and our service has now taken on as the approach. That started with airmen with ideas about how to be better at what they were asked to execute and then our service supporting them. So that leadership uh, 
in particular in what I've seen in our missions, if somebody puts their hand in the air and says, follow me with a good idea, people will follow. And, and I'm really proud to see that those airmen have been empowered to execute those things. And I think that continues to be reaffirmed every single day of what I see in 16th Air Force when we, when we actually get an opportunity to go visit units or spend time uh, with our staff, our NCOs that are being innovative, they're being creative, and they're delivering. At times, we don't get to see it. And those sure. are the things that are fun. When you're able to go out and see where those uh, airmen have taken the tiniest bit of intent and turned it into something 10 times better than we would have even envisioned when we gave that intent. Yeah, that's really exciting too. And I think that we see that as, as our units are embedded with, with your units as well. And so um, there's people that brief you every day in the staff. You don't know who they are, but they're reservists, you know, in our wing. And so, you know, we're really proud of that opportunity that they get. And frankly, you don't care. We don't care. I mean, they're, they're on mission. They're doing, they're delivering, you know, what they need to for you. So really excited for that. Appreciate your time and support again. And uh, best of luck in the future. Awesome. Thanks to the 960th for everything that you're doing uh, every single day to make us a better organization.